1: Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, I had the honor to sit down with Tate Hale. We get into bow hunting whitetail, two-legged freaks, his first elk hunt, and being a service to others. I can't even begin to express how inspirational Tate is to me. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Tate Hale. Tate, good morning, or for you, good afternoon. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day, Mm -hmm. man, and sitting down with me. um, Do a little talking about outdoors and hunting and bring a good message to uh, my platform here, man. Welcome.
2: You bet, man. It's it's an honor. I truly am honored for uh, you thinking enough of me and my mission, my message to uh, let me come on and share. I'm looking forward to it. Wonderful, man.
1: So why don't we just kick it off? You give us some uh, background, man, on yourself and uh, we'll get right into your hunting and outdoor life and... all you
2: you bet you bet man Uh, basically uh, Tate Hale I'm from the southeast part of Ohio Um, I'm adaptive hunter athlete and public speaker and before my amputation um, I got my B.A. at um, Ohio University in psychology and child and family life studies Uh, why I was getting my B.A. I, I built houses to put myself through college and, um, also after, uh, I graduated, um, I ran Midwest big cat care, which was a Bengal tiger sanctuary where I raised, uh, three Bengal tigers from cubs to adults. Wow! And, uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience. It, it really was. And then, um, unfortunately, um, the gentleman I, I ran the sanctuary for um, had some personal issues that, that popped up and he had to close the sanctuary. And uh, once it was closed and I found the cats uh, good homes that I felt uh, they could be cared for at the level in which I cared for them seven days a week, it was time to uh, take care of myself. And that's when um, I went forth with uh, the amputation of my right foot. Um, From something we'll kind of talk about later, but being born with bilateral congenital vertical talus. And uh, that's a little bit of the background of where I am from there to now.
1: Awesome, man. So, Bengal tigers, huh? That, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see a, a cub Bengal tiger, man, you know, petting and all cute, but as they get bigger, man, that's still a wild animal.
2: Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I told people because, uh, we did allow people to come see them because it was for education of this magnificent animal, um, that we wanted to, to promote to people that how how limited they were in their wild habitats and um so it was more for education but um whenever people always oh, they treat you and they'll let you love on them I would uh go get 15 pounds of meat
0: and <laughs> take them and
2: show them my two adult males and um they the two adult males were food aggressive but the younger male and female I could feed them by hand but my two adult males Um, They would snarl and, you know, only why I fed them. Once they were fed, they were back to chuffing, which is just another word for a purr for a tiger. It's how they purr. They were back to chuffing, but I would show them right there, you know, these are not pets. These are wild animals. And they, they pretty much got the point when they'd see a three and a half inch canine. Uh, through Oof. the fence, snarling.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. If I'd have been inside that fence with those, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Once
2: they once they got close to adulthood, I'd never go in with them because yeah. uh, I don't think they would have hurt me. But four uh, hundred pound cat, if he decided to lay down on you, you ain't gonna get him off. Oh, you're done. Yeah, Doug, <laughs> yeah. So
1: pound for pound, muscle got, wise. Yeah, yeah.
2: they got all the affection and attention they needed through the fence. As dumb as this sounds, if I lost a hand that's a whole lot better than losing my life.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that sounds dumb, but I hear what you're saying there, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So why don't you give us a little bit, man, about uh, about your background and that your outdoor life with hunting and, and how that uh, plays a role. You,
2: you bet. You bet. Well, I was raised in it, man. Um, I always tell people the greatest gift my father ever gave me, besides his love, was uh, showing me the outdoor lifestyle. I can remember as early as age five, dad taking me uh with him squirrel hunting and he he did it in such a great way um you know he might see the squirrel or whatever and he would take the time now now you find it you know and he would never take the squirrel until i had found it and he just taught me you know about it at five and um by age 12 um i was hunting deer um And by age 14, I had a bow in my hand and it was just part of my lifestyle and and, um, how most people grow up in this area. It really is uh, in Southeast Ohio, part of the lifestyle, how you grow up. So it's kind of all I've ever known, you know, and uh, it's like I said, the greatest gift my father ever gave me was uh, teaching me about creation, uh, about the value of life and life and death through hunting. And it's been, like I said, the greatest gift that that my father ever gave me.
1: So with what you just said, right, with those values there, there are misunderstandings, misconceptions when it comes to hunting, right? Why don't you give us a little bit of that value and and how that forged the man you are today?
2: Yeah, well, um, like I just said, the value of life and death. Um, even today I tell people, um, when I, when I take these animals and, um, harvest them or kill them, uh, for lack of a better word, um, there is a small part of guilt. You know, I am stopping a beating heart. I am not blind to that fact, but, Um, the way, as I'm sure a lot of other people out in the Midwest, we are 365 into these animals, uh, food plots, the minerals right now, minerals are so important for the deer, uh, putting out minerals to give them proper nutrition. Um, and the humans, we've kind of overtaken this planet and overtaken, uh, these animals habitats. So we have to be the ones that, that manage the herd numbers, that, provide the resources, the food uh, to get them through these hard winters out here in Ohio. And it really has a a 365 uh, lifestyle. And like I said, it teaches you the value of life and death. It teaches me um, to know where my food comes from, to be self-reliant, that uh god forbid anything ever happened where we this the our economy or our country crashes or the world would crash that we have to go out and truly be self-reliant i'm 100% confident in my skills to go out and do so mm-hmm.
1: so folks would say maybe uh the opposition right if you will um yeah. that we should be hands off, right? That that nature's yep. gonna take care of itself or the animals yep. will take care of their self if we leave that alone. Um, we've had our hands in the proverbial pot for so long. Is that an option?
2: I don't believe so. I, I, I don't because I believe we have affected their habitats. Um, you know, a, a lot of our opposition, I guess, that, that preaches this are living in homes that were built with wood studs. Where does that wood come from?
0: <laughs> the habitat yes, sir. that
2: these animals have to have, you know, um, and it's sad that most of them truly are just misinformed and miseducated. And there are some that no matter how much you try to educate, they are dug in and they're, they're not going to, uh, not be swayed. And that's sad. That really is. As, as, an example, I had a gentleman, um, just a few weeks ago attack me, um, on one of my Instagram posts, you know, he told me that I kill to feed my ego as an amputee and, um, wow. I calmly, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I calmly, um, posted to him that, no, I don't kill. I explained that I knew this animal was six and a half years old. He was pretty well past his breeding. Um, he was pushing younger deer that could breed away from the does. Um, my arrow was a lot more humane death for him that in another year or two, when he was wore down, being chased down by a pack of coyotes and eaten alive. Um, and that meat, uh, sustain me through this whole this this whole cold ohio winter you know pure organic meat that i went out harvested butchered myself it is i'm um, you're close to your food um you have no misconception that you know there is no such thing as a meat tree you know you don't I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that everyone that goes to supermarkets and, and uses that, that piece of plastic and picks up um, their, their meat that way is disconnected from their food that I believe 99% of them are. They, they, they're totally disconnected from the process. Um, and I know that deer I harvested this year, he lived a much better life than most of the animals that that are living on these factory farms
1: right that are in that piece of plastic and I think they exactly they don't even look at it that way right it's a murderous <laughs> murderous yeah. look right killers you know? yeah
2: yeah and it, it, and it, it isn't I mean just just an example of the deer I harvested this year um, his arrow zipped through him he trotted off he had no idea what had happened and in 30 seconds he expired it was over done deal. you know it wasn't it was exactly it wasn't running for his life until he was out of breath and then eaten alive by you know by coyotes or whatever out, out your way mountain lines
1: you yeah know? yeah even i mean even if the coyotes or something didn't get them man when they get old enough i mean that you know it's yeah, dying, of old, yeah, dying yeah. of old age. yeah dying of old age is uh, not yeah. always easy
2: yeah. And the old adage, I mean, it speaks true. Um, life eats life. You know, that's just as simple as it gets. Life eats life.
1: Yes, sir. So give us the uh, 2018, man, season highs and lows here, there back east. Um, I have yeah. a buddy, Drew, um, that is from Ohio and he's a nice. uh, California uh implant now we'll call them and
2: uh
1: (laughs) he's still you know kind of shocked at as to the terrain differences and what we can Mm -hmm. hunt with right back there you guys can't use rifles a lot of slug gun if you're if you're uh using a uh using a long gun there or bow um so how'd your 2018 season go
2: uh it was a trip man it was a trip and the whole highs and lows when i thought on this it, it was crazy because it was all wrapped into about a four- to five-day stint. Um, earlier in November, um, I, and we'll get into more about the CVT later, but this condition has affected pretty much from my lower back down. And there are days I'll wake up and have done nothing to my left foot at all that wake up and it hurts so bad that it, I can't use it. I can't walk or um, lower back issues. So uh, right around the first week of November, I woke up one day, uh, got my workout in before church, came up to uh, get an orange out of the fridge and just bent down to grab that orange and my lower back went out. And this is the first time it's done it since my amputation. It's, It's happened before my amputation, but the first time since. And it literally, I was in the living room for seven days. Like I could not walk without crutches. I mean, I could, I could barely get from my bedroom to the couch without crutches. And, um, I had my dad go run my game cams for me. And it was, uh, Thursday, no Friday, Friday morning. He stopped by. Um, I believe it was the 16th of November. And um, two of my hit listers had showed up at at one of my favorite spots and um, it was getting close to gun season. And I knew if I was to get it done, I had to get it done that weekend. So, um, what I did was I rigged up, you know, those, those pillows for flying that go around your neck.
1: Right. Right.
2: Well, yeah, I took one of those and duct taped it to another cushion I had for to sit on. So basically my tailbone wouldn't touch nothing. And, um, that morning right after he left, the mail showed up and I had received the, um, uh, my first bow hunting magazine that was just published in Peterson bow hunting magazine this past January, February issue. So uh, that pumped me all up, you know, my first outdoor writing, uh, getting to see it, you know, laid out in the magazine and just what a great memory that was from 2015 of, of harvesting a buck with bow and arrow on one leg uh, before I got a prosthetic leg. That was my goal, and that was what that article was about. So of course, I I was all pumped up about that, and had these two hit listers. Um, I told dad, I said, "I don't care what I have to do. Can you help me get to my blind um, Saturday?" And uh, he said, "Yeah, you know, I'll, you know, I'll," which he always has, and uh, got in there. I would say about two forty-five and three o'clock. Here come a, a. ginormous, probably four or five year old doe and right behind her, uh, the big six and a half year old that I, I was able to, uh, harvest them. And, um, so that was amazing. But, um, when I got to them, it wasn't the deer I thought I had harvested. I told my dad, I said, dad, I'm telling you, if you go back to that blind in another day or two, um, my dad's always been more of a gun hunter. Me personally, I'm just strictly bow. I don't have nothing against gun hunting. It just, to me, there is nothing more primal than watching that arrow fly true and hit oh, a smart man. man. Yes. And, and it's just, it's the closest thing um, that I have felt since competing as an athlete uh, that rush of running out on the gridiron. Uh, so I told and uh, sure enough, he went up Tuesday. I get a call at 3 p.m. and I still can't walk. I'm on crutches. Um, he had harvested my number two hit list buck. Nice. And, um, yeah, it, it was a trip, man, because I, I told him, I said, well, Dad, you've harvested some great deer, you know, with uh, with uh, with your muzzleloader. I said, that. What, what's it like on ground level, you know, at 20 yards with your crossbow? And he was like, I had no idea. That it could get that intense, boy. You know, my dad. I thought my name was boy until I was like twelve. I thought my name was boy. Yeah, he's like, I never. I had no idea that it could get that intense, boy. I'm hooked. And for me, um, everything that my whole life, you know, they were dealing with my health issues. Basically, two weeks after I was born, the. They've given so much, and to see that that happiness through the gift of the outdoors that Dad gave me, and being able to put him on a great buck for archery season and and him be successful, uh, it honestly meant more to me than harvesting my deer that year. So the highs and lows were all right there because at the beginning of the week I I was so mad, like why would my back go out this week? You know. I, if I'm, if I believe right, we had a four day red moon stretch that week and I was just so angry, you know, like I'm so tired of fighting this condition, you know, we've been fighting it for 37 years, man. And then in four days, just it all flipped like that. And it's because of the outdoors.
1: So a couple things there, right? I I heard... I heard a lot, but there's a couple things that really stood out to me. So first off, bring that full circle. Your father started you in the outdoors and then be able to bring that full circle to get him to realize another avenue um, mm-hmm. of, of harvesting or killing that animal. Tell me a little bit about that, man. How that had to just be a wonderful feeling to, to, to say, okay, man, I put him out on this deer on my blind. I knew it was going to be there. And that happened, man. Talk about that full circle.
2: Uh, it was, it was, I'm trying to search for the words. He deserves so much more. He does him and my mother, both. They deserve so much more. And, um, I couldn't even go help him recover the animal, uh, Cause I, like I said, I couldn't, I, I had to have a couple friends come and recover mine, you know, and, and one of my friends went and helped him recover his and just, I, I'm not joking. I was sitting here on the couch and when my friend was texting me pictures of the, the blood trail, you know, this deer isn't going far, man. He, he's going to be right up here around the corner. And then pictures of my dad walking to lay hands on that deer. I sat here and saw, man. I had tears running down my face because, uh, I, I was, you know, I was missing it. Uh, even though I wasn't there, but spiritually there was no doubt in my lump mind, man, me and my dad's souls were connected That's as awesome. he was walking up to that animal. Um, and that to me, as cool as it was, I wish I could do so much more for him. I really do.
1: That's amazing. So second, uh, thing that came up there, Fighting the condition. Right. Um, Yeah. I can't imagine. Right. I can I can sit here and and make assumptions, things of that nature. Right. Um, And and try and relate. I really can't. Right. Most of us can't. Um, But there has to be something very powerful with the outdoor experience. And I know your faith is a uh-huh. big, a big part of that, but there has to be something very, very powerful, man. Um, with, with, you know, getting out there and hunting yep. um, that really causes you to just want to drive. Um, yeah. Well, no, go, uh, go Well, ahead. I'll,
2: I'll kind of take it back to that 2015 hunt um, up until that point, you know, having two feet is as, as messed up as they was it was always my normal, you know? So I didn't know what it was like to have normal feet. All I knew was mine were messed up and they hurt all the time, but I never really let it set me back. Um, Having that amputation right before bow season started, um, I remember that first night I was able to go out. Um, I think it was 17 days after my amputation. And setting in that blind, I didn't care if I seen a deer or not. I was setting out just off a, of a crop field, watching the sun start to set, listening to the birds, the fresh air. And I thought, dude, this is going to be your most challenging season, without a doubt. But it is going to be, without a doubt, your most blessed season. Because you're back to the basics, man. You can't even walk to the woods. So every time you get to see a sunrise or a sunset, this is just this is just as, I mean, I've never felt, before, before I even got my life right, I wasn't raised in faith. Um, but I can remember being young and feeling connected to something greater than me. Every time I'd watch that sun come up, and, uh, hear the turkeys gobbling in spring or in fall, seeing that frost burn off with that morning sun and, and, uh, just watching the critters and their wild environment. It was the closest I've ever felt to something greater than me. And, uh, just like I said, that 2015 brought me back to that, that, you know, the, the magical creation of this world, uh, and, and people really have no idea what I think some of the greatest lessons about life Are learned when you're in the Creator's creation, man. Amen. I I really believe that. You just gave me chills. chills.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir.
1: Yes, sir. Man, my arms are goosebumped all up right now. Good deal, man. Hopefully, we can keep it rolling, man. (laughs) So, what it's about? So, let's talk about the CVT a little bit, right? Because I'm sure it's Mm going to come up in a lot of the discussion here. So, folks, understand what uh, what you've been living with.
2: Okay. Um, What CVT is, is uh, congenital vertical talus. It's idiopathic, meaning there's no known cause. They have no idea what causes it. And I was born with bilateral, meaning both feet, which is also very rare. And what it is, is like how the normal foot arch, you know, is shaped. Well, mine formed upside down. And my Achilles tendons, the tendons that connect your calf muscle and your heel bone, were two and a half inches too short. Another word for the disease is called rocker bottom feet, because that's basically what it is, is a reverse arch where I had a bone mass that protruded through the bottom of my foot where my arch should have been. And you basically walk on a bone mass and your foot has no flexion maybe six degrees flexion up and down, nothing side to side or circles, you two-legged freaks that can do circles with your ankles. None of that. (laughs) None of that, you know. Yeah, and and the heel bone sets way up. And then, like I said, the bottom of my foot before surgeries actually look like the bottom of a rocking chair. And um, like I said, there's no... Toe to heel strike or heel to toe strike. So every step is just straight up that bone mass and up through your knees, hips, and up through the rest of your body. At age two, or I'm, excuse me, at two weeks old, my mom told me this years ago that they actually started doing what's called serial casting where they would cast my feet and cut them off every two weeks and put new cast on. And they were hoping as I grew as an infant, those casts could at least give me a flat foot, which would make it more advantageous as opposed to walking on a protruding bone mass. And it was unsuccessful. By age five, I become a very close friend with chronic pain. By uh, Like literally by the end of the afternoon, you know when you, kids they're going like their hair is on fire all day. Well, by the afternoon, I would sit down and I could literally feel my pulse beat out the bottom of my feet, and it was just like a pain and and that went with my heartbeat. Uh, by age twelve, I met a surgeon that worked on pro and Olympic athletes, and he's like, "I've never seen nothing like this, but I'll take the case." And we started. Um, a very serious string of complete reconstructive surgeries at age 12. Um, fortunately, I, I was still pretty successful as a football player and uh, tried to play some college football. And two weeks into my college football career, the bone shifted my feet, crushed my planar nerves and planar arteries. And uh, my surgeon, the next day I was in Columbus, Ohio, Uh, He said, you're done. He said, I didn't want you playing high school athletics, but I seen how hard you worked after every surgery to get back, to take that that financial burden of a college education off of your folks, and I just couldn't take it from you. But uh, I got to now because if you don't quit, you're going to be in a wheelchair before you're 40.
1: Yeah, I don't have – I. I'm kind of at a loss of words man um the the mental fortitude um at age twelve i mean even through the teens right most folks most of us two legged freaks that could rotate that ankle <laughs> um yeah. we're 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 so willing to feel sorry for ourselves or throw in the towel for stuff that's far more minor than that man um
2: yeah well well here's here's why I didn't. And I do a lot of public speaking now, and every every public speaker talks about this, having a why, you know, and I go a step further when I explain having a why. I believe a why is nothing more than a reason that stirs your emotions to such a great length that whatever you got to walk through, whatever you come across, that adversity that punches you. In the mouth and tries to keep you from your goal or being great or pursuing excellence, you got to have a reason that's greater than that. And my reason was my mother and father. I remember one morning, and and I didn't even realize it back then. It was years later I realized I found my why. I was woke up at four thirty in the morning to use the restroom, and I heard my dad's truck fire up. And I was like, what in the hell is he doing up at 4.30 in the morning? He was headed to work to drive three hours, to work a 12-hour shift on a hot bridge. He he, he owned a bridge construction company to work his butt off and then drive three hours back and just be dead at the end of every day so I could have... Uh, custom orthotics in my shoes, so I could have the right shoes that I could go excel on the football field. That every surgery, uh, three of the four off seasons of my high school career, I had complete reconstructive surgeries. They were willing to do that for me. They became my why, and that college education, getting it for free, just because I could go out and perform on the football field, that was my why. And it was greater than any of the pain any of the surgeries the love I had for my mom and dad
1: amazing man i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm at a loss for words I'm usually never at a loss for words that's amazing <laughs> brothers that is amazing so let's talk you you brought it up right with with the public speaking um mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of folks that'll get out there and, and you know, do the public speaking. There's some good ones and, and there's some, you know, not so good ones. But to come from a place that it has been, you know, always a fight, right? I mean, it's always a fight and, and driving that home um, and being impactful and serving others. That's a big deal, man. That has to be a big part of your existence now. Um, yeah. Yeah. How how is that? I don't want to say how is it received because I know how I'm receiving it just in the few minutes here. But um, where are you speaking, and and you know how is that taking hold, and you seeing change? And um.
2: yeah, um, well, honestly, I'm just kind of in the beginning stages of this. You know, for the longest time, I struggled with why was this given to me. You know, why would the man upstairs give someone who Wanted to be an athlete, someone who wants to be outside, pushing themselves, be being a hunter. Why would he, you know, quote unquote, give this to me? Um, And for a few years, I went down the wrong road. After I was made to give up college football, I ain't gonna lie, man, I struggled because I'd never lost, but I'd never lived for anything truly bigger than myself. I don't think so. Um, So I, I started really doing some soul searching. Like, dude, you can either suffer in silence and live a a non-existent life and play the poor me card, or you can really find out who you are and use this to go make others better. Ones that are living the dream, you know, college athletes that you once wanted to live and make them realize how lucky they are to be doing it and to make them better. Um, now, it's starting to pick up some steam. I was blessed a couple weeks ago to go down and speak at a Richard Childress Racing um, down in North Carolina to their pit crews, because a lot of them are ex-college football players or ex-college athletes. Um, and that whole experience went awesome um i i got a lot of great feedback and a lot of great networking come out of that um, why i was down there i spoke to um high point university lacrosse team um and have become friends with the head coach coach torfi and um and i do wonder you know do they get it do they really understand and um also i spoke to uh, coach tubby smith's team uh um, high point university basketball team, coach Tubby Smith, um, won a national championship with the university of Kentucky and he's at high point now. So that time with him was amazing and developing leadership and, and watching him, how he just operates unbelievable. But, uh, I got back from, uh, Carolina and I spoke at a wild game dinner at Bradbury Church of Christ the the next day, as soon as I got back. And I got out of that um, with some great, you know, and I'm not going to really share because it was personal stuff for others. But when you see Vietnam veterans come up to you and cry on your shoulder, uh, yeah, it's worth it. To share this, to put yourself out there. And then I got done with that talk and uh, had an email. um, And my best friend is an assistant college basketball coach. He's like, dude, have you seen Coach Torpy's email yet? I was like, no, man, I just got out of the speaking engagement. He's like, well, open it up, call me back. Opened it up, and Coach Torpy, he's an intense dude, so I'm not going to really say what he said in his email. (laughs) But um, basically, you savage. Um, Thank you for what you shared with my team because uh, you really impacted my guys and um, they uh, put um, some of the lessons I taught them on a uh, lacrosse game ball with my name and they're going to send it up to me as a thank you for being there and sharing some of the teaching points I shared with this team. So. Um, yeah, it's it's starting to take off, man. It's starting to take off.
1: It, man. I tell you, it it can only go up from there. I tell you that.
2: Yeah, just yeah. from
1: the like I said, from the bit I know, man. I mean, just absolutely inspirational. Absolutely. Well, I
2: appreciate that,
1: man. Yeah, man I appreciate uh, that. So let's get into a little hunting, man. Um, that's that's what
2: I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> what uh, what makes you tick, man? You got you got the whitetail back there, but what what makes you? What about chasing those whitetail makes you tick?
2: Um, it's the closest thing to athletic competition that, other than like I always say, public speaking and chasing big whitetail. Uh, is the closest thing I've found to getting myself ready for athletic competition. I do my best with my body that I have to train and to get myself in shape. Um, it's like scouting film you know, setting up game cameras, watching these deer every evening through the summer, you know, and seeing which ones made it shed hunting. Okay. This guy made it through this winter. He's okay. And locating them and going into their house and beating them in their own environment on their field of play to know that, Hey, big boy, I studied you. I studied film. I, I patterned you, and I came into your house and put an arrow through you, and now you're going to feed me this winter. You know, uh, it's, it's almost replaced that, you know, the mental toughness it takes to consistently, as you know as a hunter, to consistently harvest mature animals with bow and arrow is a tough deal. Now, doing that on a prosthetic leg and a foot that you know, is rapidly degenerating daily. Uh, my surgeon done told me, you know, it's coming off. It's just a matter of how long you can stand the pain. But eventually, I got to take it. You know, and developing that mental toughness, and and not only that, but self confidence. You know, to know that I just went in and I'm doing things on a consistent basis that some able bodies. Can't, not that they can't do it, but they're choosing not to put the work in to do it, you know. And it always comes back to this man just the peace and wholeness I feel when I'm in the woods or when I let that arrow go or when I've made up my mind that that's the animal, these two or three animals are the ones I'm going after. uh, It's just a peace and living in God's creation that. I truly don't think you can find anywhere else than other out in his creation.
1: Your faith is a bit, uh, a big part of you. Um, So Mm -hmm. I would like you to give us some of that, right? Because that's the second time you said out in his creation. So why don't you give us a little bit about how your faith brought you through um, some of this struggle and, and what it means to you?
2: All right. Well, I mean, Wow. I didn't know for sure we'd go here, but I'm going to be 100. Be real with you, man. Um, As I mentioned earlier, after I lost the game, I I had went down a bad road. And that road was alcohol and drug abuse. And I uh, remember one morning, uh, it was right after my surgeon told me, um, he's like, look, we've done everything we can surgically for you. Um, I'm sorry, but our final diagnosis is double amputation below the knee. And um, as I said, I was wrapped up in drug and alcohol abuse at the time. So on the way home that night, I'd stopped at a dealer's house and, and bought some, some drugs. And the next morning before like 8.30 in the morning, I'd done every all the drugs I had. And um, it was a lot. <laughs> you know, to think like, wow, you're doing this to yourself before like 8 39 in the morning. I, I was walking out and got ready to like reach out and grab the door to walk out. And I just, this thought hit me. And it was like, as clear as I'm saying it right now, a voice said, You know, this can all end right now. You can stop all of this pain, all this disappointment right now if you want to. And it was a voice. Trying like kill yourself dude take your life you don't have to feel this no more and that scared the shit out of me because uh, one of my best friends in high school committed suicide and I seen the pain that it caused not only myself but my brothers that we all loved him and his family and our community a real small community I just went in and I uh sat down on the couch and I wept and uh for the first time in my life, I actually said a legitimate prayer and, um, I always teach this, you know, like God always answers prayers. Now it might not be the answer you want to hear. And those people, when they get those answers, they don't want to hear. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. No, he just gave you the answer. you. do. So anyway, uh, I prayed and like two weeks later, um, I had moved back in with my mom and dad because she had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And my dad fell off a ladder and messed up his shoulder. And he was basically one arm trying to take care of my mom. So I was like, hey, I'll move back home, help out for a while. And uh, I was sitting there one morning and uh, someone knocked on our door of course I sat there crying being a you know all wrapped up my situation so you know how dudes are I stand up wipe all away my tears you know (laughs) get it all straightened up like I'm tough Uh nothing wrong here and I go answer the door and this gentleman asked he's like hey I was just driving by your farm and this looks like an awesome spot to rabbit hunt would you mind and I said honestly sir have at it I said if I was still bow hunting I'd tagged out I said, I probably wouldn't let you. I'm pretty serious with my bow hunting, but uh, yeah, have at it. And he could tell I'd been crying, you know, and uh, he said, son, is everything okay? And I just, I lost it, dude. I broke down and actually like fell under this dude's arms. Well, come to find out he was like a pastor at the local church that my grandma and grandpa who had passed on, but they attended this church for like 40 years. And I shared with him everything. And he was like, well, you know, there is a way that you can receive forgiveness and grace and move on. And, uh, he shared Jesus Christ with me. And honestly, dude, if if he would have told me to dress up like Richard Simmons and run around screaming, (laughs) I'm a pony. I'd have tried it, bro. That's how (laughs) freaking lost I was and needed something. And that was the start of it, dude. Um, the more I learned, uh, about that book and about the man that, that that Jesus Christ was I was just enamored with it man just the, the peace and the love and um everything that comes with it that I just I was like this is this is there's no way I could get through what I deal with on a daily basis without something greater than myself living in me and that's that's that was the start of it man
1: that's awesome man that's awesome i'm i'm (laughs) it's it's hard to even ask any questions or have anything to say i mean it's so powerful right um oh man that's that's that's
2: always tell people this is my (laughs) message his glory man that's all that's all
1: this is it is uh I mean, tell me that that wasn't supposed to happen that way. Exactly. Right? You weren't supposed it to find might, that, yeah. the word that way. That's yeah. That's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs>
1: so, um, you had posted something, right. Um, and it, it, it about working out, right. And I, I want to say it was the river bottom post, right. And you were,
0: uh, yeah. working out yeah. one
1: day and, what came to my head and I sent you the bullet was even when no one is looking, uh, there just seems to be, and I, and I, and I understand it a little more now, but there just seems to be another level of, I want to fight when it comes to all this. Um, Yeah. Give me, give me a little bit on that, man. Let's, let's talk about that. And and, I mean, you're grinding, dude. I mean, you know, uh, Right now, like you said, your left foot is is kicking your butt. We talked the other day, and you said it was hurting. Um, yeah, you got a prosthetic that is too large. I believe it is.
2: <laughs> yeah, we so, yeah. were so close, man. I should have that new leg in the next couple of weeks, but yeah, this one's a little bit large right now. Yeah.
1: So yeah, yeah let's get into that, man, because it's it's so hard. <sighs> I don't want to say it's hard, right? Maybe that's the wrong word, but it, it's. You just you're just going. Like I, I'm I'm just yeah. at a loss for words, right? You're just going. Well, you're like, I'm, I'm not pushing. I'm not gonna
2: say that it isn't hard because it is, dude. And I'm I don't share this for sympathy. I always put that out there because I don't want your damn, I don't want no one's sympathy. Okay. I share this to be real about what I go through. I wake up every day in pain, seven days a week, three hundred, I do, but Two things when, when I seen this bullet point that kind of jumped into my head very quickly. Um, first off, the way I was raised, the way my father raised me, I was raised, you know, by a blue-collar, hard-working man. And um, those lessons really kind of developed my thinking early on. But two things that popped up to me, and I actually wrote this quote down. Integrity, the choice between doing what's convenient and what's right by Tony Dungy. Uh, That's the first thing that stuck into my head. If I am going to these college athletes, to these NASCAR pit crews, or to these high school athletes or churches, and speaking and sharing the lessons that this condition has taught me, why better be living it? That unbreakable will you know, I better be living it. So that pushes me, um, to, to dig deep and develop. And I'm not sure maybe I wouldn't have developed this level of mental toughness had I been born quote, quote unquote normal. But, um, it all boils down to personal happiness. And what I've found that happiness is like this whole search of personal happiness and and the the buzzwords today is love yourself and just think happy thoughts and everything <laughs> will be great. Well, I'm sorry. I think that's BS. Happiness is found in the trenches. Happiness is found working your tail off, fighting through something that most could could not fathom, but yet you continually fight through it. All self-happiness is, is keeping the promises you've made to yourself. Okay. If you say you're going to do something, do it. And where people get so unhappy with their life or, you know, I can't be happy is because you constantly lie to yourself. You say, I'm going to change this. I'm going, cause I used to do it, bro. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change this. And then I wouldn't follow through. And then you start beating yourself up. You And eventually, if you don't turn the tide, you'll hate yourself. And all happiness is, is just keeping the promises to yourself. Happiness, self-happiness is nothing more than self-respect. That's it. That's it.
1: And hunting brings that out, man, you know, exactly. that, that perseverance, exactly. that drive, you know, like you said, you know, getting out there and, and beating that big old boy at his own game on his own turf, it, man.
2: Exactly. I'm not going to lie, dude. This last year, I did not want to go out that night. I went and harvested that. That's how much pain I was in. Like I literally could not take a step without crutches and it hurt to even like move my legs, but it was just like you said, right there, it was that's what hunting is. It's not easy. And especially to be successful with bow and arrow, um, you got to put the work in, man, to have success year in and year out. okay. And if you're not putting the work in, you're not going to have success. And, and, and that translates to anything in life not just bow
1: hunting that's it and that's yeah that's a major reason why we're not touching on much hunting man because I think this is yeah. way more powerful than having the usual conversation oh, and on anything here, man. you think that will help the people brother <laughs> man so let's let's curve it a little bit um, so you and I, I I'm going to call it a connection right because I want to be connected to, yeah. to Tate Hale man <laughs> so uh, so first form and uh, titanium archery products man yeah. um, why yeah. don't we get into the little bit about that i know you have uh a uh close relationship i'll call it close with uh andy frisella there over at 1p uh so why don't you give us a little bit on uh, that uh first form experience and what it means to you and the good folks over there
2: right on well i always tell people man like i don't i don't know andy like on a personal level um i i don't really consider him a a great friend. Although, I mean, I don't want that to sound bad because I mean, I respect Andy on a major, major level. All we've ever really communicated through was through DM on social media, but, um, his respect and his, um, mindset has really affected me to, um, up my level, up my game. But, um, First Form, what really drew me to First Form, um, obviously, they're quality supplements, but was the culture. Um, the culture of the company, that they're there to help anybody with anything um, and how they do their, my transformation challenge. Uh, you know, they're like, Hey, we just want to help people. We don't care if you buy our supplements. Uh, we just want to make a difference and help people. So that was the first thing that really drew me to them was their culture. Um, and just being around great people because, you know, they always say, um, You want to know where your life's going to be in five years. Look at your five closest friends or your five closest associations. And I can tell you right now, there's a whole lot more than five people associated with first form that I knew if I could align myself with or even study them and study their habits, that my life was going to go from here to here. Um, so that's really kind of what got it started for me. And then, um, as I started to use the product, um, <clears throat> excuse me, some of their products with my training, I just noticed how much my, how much better my body felt, um, how I was repairing a lot quicker. Uh, it just seemed like I healed and repaired at a major, major level of quickness that I never had before, um, So I, I just, I, I was drawn, like I said to that, but, um, then when Andy kind of, uh, had reached out, you know, we had communicated some through DM, um, I was like, this is a dude that whether he knows it or not, he's a mentor to me. Um, I study him like crazy. Um, and it really has upped my game big time yeah dude he's real <laughs> yeah dude yeah. is real yeah it was so cool um when earlier this year um mark and terry drury because uh one piece uh corporates out in st louis or right around the st louis area um mark and terry drury had a uh, stop by and give him a custom pse bow and um He was shooting it, man, and he DM'd me later that night asking some questions about as far as how much I shoot when I'm out shooting, and I try to shoot my bow as much as possible, Um, especially in warmer weather. At least, you know, try to go seven days a week, man. Like anything else, you want to be good at it, you got to put in work. But um, I was just, I I was drawn to um, his realness and to think that... um, He's had all that success. And I was real with him, man. I shared I shared where I was in life. And someone that has made a pile of money, has had success, and everything he deals with as far as managing all his businesses every day to still take the time out and support some one-legged country boy out in Ohio with a messed up foot. I was like, that's somebody I can get behind and that's somebody I can learn from. So that's, that's, that, that's been, yeah. Like I say, I am first form, man. I'm part of the legion of boom for life. Yeah. Hey,
1: Family, hey, man. It's yeah, uh, yeah, it's something else. Right. And, and I'm probably, I'm horrible. Right. As far as, as postings on social and, and following yeah. through with, with some of that stuff Um that, that we're supposed to do, you know, being part of that, but man, the the products are just—they're next level, man. And I've, you well, know,
2: it, it's wow. it's unreal. Yeah, it, it really is unreal. And the more I learned about it, um, I just I was like, "There, I get it, I get it now." You know, it's everything with their protein, low temperature process, and you know, it was explained to me like this, and pretty much every protein on the market is cooked with high heat, you know? And it's like, you take the chicken breast as the example.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay? I know, I know this when one. You,
2: yeah. Cooking it at high heat, you know, uh, say you cook it at a super high heat for 12 hours. Well, you, you take that chicken breast out off the grill and it might be as big as a 50 cent piece and charred black. And it looks like crap. It's going to taste like crap, but you can still call it chicken. You know, and when you cook, they use, you know, everything at low temperature process. You know, it's like cooking a chicken breast how it should be cooked. Low temperature, more time, which causes a little more price. But you're getting the the real stuff. You know what I mean? It's not all cooked out of it. And I, dude, I've used supplements my whole life. You know, through college or high school, trying to prepare for college, I have never found anything that tastes as good as it. And that has given me the results, um, of it, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And more Uh, importantly, I, and one of the things that stood out to me was service to others, right? I mean, that, that's a big part of that company.
2: Oh dude. What blew me away was that one story. Some dude called in there and asked him about what spark plugs his truck needed. And they're like, well, we're a supplement company, but we'll help you out anyway. And if I remember right from that podcast, they looked up what kind of spark plugs this dude needed, called his local shop, had them ordered, and was ready for that dude to pick up and be delivered. (laughs) Crazy, right? You know what I mean? And they're a supplement company, dude. Who does that? Nobody. uh, You know what I mean? And, and, And like I said, that and their culture. I, I was th- the biggest thing was culture, dude. The culture, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they're legit, dude. and and Andy, it all stems from what I believe, you know, I mean, I'm not speaking for the man. but for what I believe, it starts it, starts with him. And he has implemented that culture all the way down, and that's why they're they're unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, man. It's it's a great company. The products are phenomenal, and like I said, for me, man, that that service to others is a big, a big, yep. big deal, right? Yep. It, I, yep. I would say on a whole, there's well. And I'm broad stroking, but there's not enough of that, right?
2: No, no, there isn't. Not enough,
1: especially when you start talking about, you know, business, right? Or big business um, is just not enough of it.
2: Most companies do income over impact. I think with them, and like I said, I can't speak for nobody there, but I think their income or impact than income. I really do.
1: It, it and and I'll I'll agree hundred and ten percent with that one man. hundred and ten percent. So tap man, titanium archery products. Um, yeah, yeah. For me,
2: I uh, yeah. Go ahead, man. <laughs>
1: that's a that's a, a game changer on a bow, man. Um, you ain't a kid. I use the, uh, Element X, um, with mm-hmm. the QD and then I, I've never replaced a uh, string stop on a bow until, uh, yeah. I got a recommendation to add that on my, uh, on my Synergy. I shoot a prime. Um, Wow. I mean, you want to talk about taking that bow from being sweet already to next level dead in the hand. I mean, the tap products and the energy and time that Sam's putting into that stuff over there is just is just great, man. So what uh, what what was your draw to tap and give us your. um,
2: uh, Well, um, honestly, I, I in the beginning, it was I'm always a fan of the underdog you know, or the small, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And in the beginning, when I find it kind of found tap, they were just kind of really getting established into the marketplace. Um, But first off, I kind of did some creeping on Sam, you know, through social media. And I was like, dude, this guy's first class and he's chasing a dream. And it has something to do with archery. I got to look into this more. And then I started educating myself, reading up on the advantages of, of titanium—you know, their their product with vibration and everything—and how how quiet and dead it can make your bow. And um, then I applied to be a rep, and um, Sam graciously let me come aboard and be a rep for Tap. And uh, I remember the first time I I put a, a tap stabilizer on my Hoyt and and I shot it. I was just like. Wait a minute!
1: <laughs> yep,
2: it was so dead. It was like there was nothing there. You just it released, and it was just dead in your hand. And uh, I still got to get a string stop, so oh, I cannot man. imagine what that'll do for my double XL. Because just my tap stab, I mean, it's just like you, you pull through on your release, and the arrow's out of your out of your bow and the bow just feels dead yeah it's you crazy. know what i mean there's yeah. no kick there's no jump and i'm just using one of the stabilizers without a string stop so i cannot imagine what that Hoyt Double XL will do when I get a string stop put on it. You know what's and, funny?
1: Uh, what's I'm sorry. What's funny about about that is Sam's like, hey, that's not what it's for, right? We don't want to. We don't yeah. want to push it on on harmonics or you know vibration or anything like that. That's not what it's for. And it's like, well, Sam. <laughs> It's doing it, man. It's, it's
2: taking yeah. all this away. <laughs> exactly. Hey, then, then that's a double-edged sword you got for marketing brother. Yeah. Cause you can go with your original marketing pitch and then say, and our customers are saying this, you know, because that I, I mean, well, I, I had a, a carbon spider turbo before I got my double XL and with them speed bows, man, and them cams, there's a lot of vibration that come through that, man, because that baby was shooting some rockets. And I'm not gonna name the other company I had on it. I'm not that's fine. But I just couldn't believe it, man, when I put that tap stab on there, I was like, this thing felt dead yeah, in crazy. my hand. I mean, just unbelievable. And 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 I'm just a big fan of what Sam's doing, man. I think he is a hundred percent legit in it for the right reasons to just make a great product and and give people the love of archery and what it does, you know. I, I just great company, great dude. And, and I'm honored to be a small, small part of it.
1: Me as well. Me as well. What's crazy is he's, uh, they call him the mad scientist, right? I mean, you know, dudes in the basement and, yeah, um, you know, yeah. with that vortex, uh, rubber yes. that's in there. Um, Mixing. And, it isn't up that and,
2: awesome man? That's American the American dream, dream yes, right sir. there. That is the American yes, entrepreneur sir. dream. Uh starting from the ground up and, and you know, I can get behind people like that, you know? Oh, I, yeah. I can I can because that's what this has made this the greatest country in the world, man.
1: That uh so when you get getting that that TSS man, that string stop is gonna it's gonna blow your mind. You are well. Going to I'm be gonna floored. have to
2: get it before turkey season, man, because I think our Ohio turkey season starts. It's normally around like April 22nd, I believe, uh, out here. So I would say uh, probably within the next few weeks, I need to get one ordered. For sure. For sure. Plus, we just uh, we're getting a new uh, pro shop opened up here. Um, I'm about 10 miles west of Athens, Ohio, Ohio University for the the college sports fans, OU Bobcats, Um, that we're finally getting a great Uh, pro shop to be uh, opened up here real soon um, Athens Outdoors and um, it's actually um, owned by Chad Spangler who's part if I believe he's part of the Whitetail Edge team Um, so I'm looking forward to that and that's as soon as that gets because I got a few tweaks I want to get done with my bow so I'll probably have it ordered uh, before that before that place gets opened up because I believe they're getting close to opening up here in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to call me when you put that on your bow, man. I will. I will. <laughs> I'll probably crazy. send you a video. It is yeah, crazy. Yeah, send you a
2: video. Yeah, I, just, I, I can't. Yeah, Did you see his post the other day he put on there that showed slow motion video with it on?
1: Uh-huh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I was like, are you kidding me? It's
1: nuts. Are I, you it, kidding me? It's funny because a, a friend of mine, Austin, with uh, the the stock archery, he's an arrow guy, and uh, he put a slow-mo video up of his uh, shooting his uh, arrows um, with some... Uh, broadheads on it and I watched uh-huh. his string in slow-mo just oscillate and go crazy and as soon as I saw it man I said hey let's talk dude you <laughs> have to get this TSS yeah. on that bow yeah. uh, I, and and like I said I've never in all my years of bow hunting I've never ever replaced a string stop and uh, yeah. somebody re- recommended that I do it and wow so now I'm I, I looking at a new bow so I placed an order with Sam last night man that was the first thing I ordered <laughs> (laughs) Nice. I mean, you just (laughs)
2: sold me on it then, dude, for real, for real. Like I, and I'm not going to lie, man, my finances are a little limited. Uh, so it's, it's kind of purchased by what is necessary. Well, that
1: just become necessary (laughs) and again like i said last night it was the first thing that i ordered right i've never ever i didn't order a sight i didn't order a stab yet. right i said i'm getting that string stop first i'm putting it on the bow i don't care how dead in the hand it feels already this is going to make it better
2: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i'm pumped dude i'll definitely definitely let you know how that goes for me heck yeah so
1: you brought up speed, man. So out here in the West, and I'm not sure if you guys are seeing it there, right? Speed has been a big thing for a lot of years when we talk about bows and arrow speed mm-hmm. and, you know, getting down range real fast. Um, and in recent, there's been a lot of discussion on heavier, heavier bows or excuse me, heavier uh, arrows. Um, mm-hmm. That's bringing down that speed, that high FOC. Um, what do you guys look at? uh back there in Ohio as far as speed, what's the benefits of it? And um have you looked honestly, at the higher FOC I mean, stuff?
2: Honestly, um that's why I went with the double XL and got rid of my speed bow because out here it's not near as important. And for me personally, accuracy is always number one. You know, I'll take accuracy over speed. Um, But out here, man, it is so thick, like the timber is even so thick out here. A lot of your shots, matter of fact, the last four years that I've harvested mature white tails since my amputation, my longest shot was 22 yards. You know what I mean? so you don't, the speed bows aren't necessary as near important, in my opinion out here. Um, now out out West where you might be, you know, if you're proficient enough to make the 60, 80 yard shot, I could see where it could come in maybe a little more, but I'm not educated enough to speak on that. I can speak for out here. Most of your shots, like a 40 yard shot, you know, and where I come from, that's a pretty, that's a good shot because like I said, it's just so thick here, man. Like we just have some nasty thickets, dude, some nasty thickets. So um, I've kind of more of the accuracy over speed personally for the Midwest whitetails.
1: Right. And it makes sense, right? It makes perfect sense. I mean, for 40 yards between, you know, call it, you know, 270 feet per second and, you know, 300. And there's really a minute difference yeah. there.
2: I think, yeah, I think uh, if I believe right, my double XL right now, I think shoots 283. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: feet man. Feet per second. That's that's right you know where I'm I mean? at,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that that Black Eagle arrow was on that white tail this year and threw him before he even, before he even knew what happened. I mean, like I said, I think he was it. Fourteen yards from the ground. I love it, dude. That's another thing. Like since my amputation, that first year, because I'm not—I set that goal. I was like, I'm gonna go kill mature deer with bow and arrow before I get a prosthetic leg. Well, I knew I wasn't gonna be in a tree stand doing it, so I ground blinds and brushing them in good. And um, that first hunt, man, I—I'd actually had to set up a doe decoy because that farm. Uh, the buck to doe ratio was just way too off. Like a buck decoy, the mature bucks didn't want nothing to do with it. And my theory was, why go fight when there's 12 other doe and estrus over the hill? You know what I mean? They just wasn't fighters. And that first night, I set up a doe decoy, man. He come in. I watched him from like 200 yards walking, just bah, 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 every step. Stopped them two yards behind my doe decoy. 22 yards it was over and I was like yeah this from the ground is intense and <laughs> I like it I like it yeah so
1: you have a hunt coming up man and that's uh uh-huh. one, of the, one of the triggers to this to this podcast and I'm excited yeah. as I'll get up for you on that man um uh-huh. I started man. hunting elk last year and you want to talk about a next level experience when it comes to game animals. Yeah,
2: I can't even imagine, dude. This is, yeah, this is your expertise here because I can't even imagine.
1: I don't know if I'm an expert at it yet, man. Like I said, I've hunted mule deer and pig and blacktail and been down yeah. to uh, Texas hunting whitetail and uh, just never, you know, never pulled the trigger on the elk thing. <clears throat> and then last year, yeah. well, before last year, I, I said, you know what, this is the year I'm doing it. And, uh, I am absolutely. I'm not. I can't even say addicted, man. <laughs> I can't yeah. even say addicted. It uh. is just unbelievable. So why don't you give us a little bit, uh, a little bit about that, man? You're you're going out uh, to Utah with uh, disabled outdoorsmen. Yep. Uh, Weston yep. and I did a podcast. I don't know earlier this year. Well, it's only March, so it was back in January. Um, a phenomenal. I hate to call him a young man. Cause I sound old and I don't want to insult yeah, him, yeah, yeah, but that's what yeah. he is. Right. And I mean, this yeah, dude is yeah, doing stuff yeah. for folks that his level of service to others, man, is wow. Yeah. You know, it, it yeah. is crazy, but give us a little bit on that Utah hunt coming up, man. And what you got going well, and folks
2: involved uh, first off. Yeah. Well, like you said, Weston and his level of service to others. Um, I respect, that young, like you said, and I'm not an old geezer by any means. I'm only 37, but I think what, 12 years older than him or whatever. But um, like you said, his level of service to others. And um, that really is what drew me to. I mean, obviously, I live with a quote unquote disability. I don't even like used to use the word, it is what it is. But that drew me to him because of my faith, you know? The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And I was like, dude, here's a young kid that is making an impact and I can get behind that. And if I can be a small part of that and, um, use my story and what he's trying to help others do, I want to. So that's kind of what got the ball started. Just reaching out to him and saying, Hey dude, I'm all about what you're doing. And like, Let's let's grow this, dude. And and the words I used, I remember telling him, we're going to scorch the earth because we're going to take this national um, and I'll do whatever you need. And we've talked about me maybe doing some public speaking for him eventually. But um, I remember the night he called. He was like, yeah, dude, uh, you know, we your call last week. We had a great call, whatever. And he's like, so we got an elk hunt coming up this September in Utah. Would you be interested in helping with that? I was like, dude, I'll do anything. You know that I'll help you with any way, any, any way I can. He's like, well, I need you to be the hunter.
1: <laughs> I
2: was like, and I, 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 I like stopped talking for a second. Like, did I hear him say that right? I was like, what? He said, I need you to be the hunter. And I, I, I remember I just kept, excuse my language, but kept repeating are you effing with me? <laughs> dude, are you effing? Cause I just couldn't believe it. He's like, bro, I, all expenses paid. All you man. And then he told me about Sean, uh, at, uh Instagram handle at treading timber. yes sir, the guy. Um, and, and well, y'all, I can't wait to meet him, dude. Like those two, I already feel like we're brothers just through our interaction on social media. Um, and I've never even met one of them personally. um, but, yeah, I was blown away, and um, it just reinstilled my, my faith in not only mankind, but the man upstairs, because I'm not toot my own horn. I always say this. This is my message, but his glory. But really, when it, right when I lost my foot, I said, all right, dude, it's time to go. It's time to really step out on faith, become a force for good in everything you do, how you train, how you treat people, how you speak life to end others and show them what can be done by developing an unbreakable will and mental toughness. I started sowing a lot into others, you know, and here it is three years later. I just get one, th- even if this was all the harvest, I'm blessed by the best, but there's so much more coming. But this, an elk hunt in Utah, (laughs) all expenses paid. I told, I've told them guys, I said, brothers, I'm telling you right now, that first morning, standing on that Utah mountain in the creation, watching the sun come up, hearing that first bugle, seeing that bull chase or push his cows around. If I do not harvest an animal, that right there just experiencing it with you guys the trip's made the trip is made you know i and well bro if i put put an elk down you're gonna see a six foot one 270 pound man cry <laughs> i done told him i'd like me y'all better not laugh but uh you're gonna see this dude drop some tears man i just i i i don't you know what like why me like, why, why would I deserve such an unbelievable blessing, man? You
0: know,
1: I'd imagine I man, just, when you stand in there that first morning, you might
2: see a grown man cry anyway. No, I just, yeah. See, and uh, I, I can't, like I said, man, I, I've been fortunate to travel, but I've never been west. I've been east coast down into south, south Texas out in Port Aransas. Um, through the Midwest, up into Canada, Southwest Florida on the Gulf, but I've never seen the Rockies and been out past the Rockies. And it's been a dream of mine since, you know, watching, being young and watching, you know, um, what was that movie, man? Uh, a river runs through it, you know, watching movies like that and then that other one with, uh, Brad Pitt, uh, yeah whatever it was but and seeing like the montana and the the west and the it's always like called me like spiritually i feel called to go see it and to be it and to be a part of it and because of amazing people like weston and sean and and even sydney uh sid um it I truly am. I always tell them, you guys, I'm blessed by the best and you guys are the best.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's, man, I wish I could just, just be a fly on the, on the wall, so to speak. Right. That, that's going to be something uh, else, man. I, Sean's, hey brother,
2: I, I got your cell number. So, you know, I'll be sending <laughs> you some video updates yeah. or, or some pictures when I'm on that hunt, dude, you know that, man.
1: That That's going to be phenomenal. I talked to Sean. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to get everybody, you know, on on this episode, man, so we could yeah. just really show the magnitude and the impact that that Weston, not just Weston, but you're having and Sydney's having, and guys like Sean, you know, taking taking a stance. I mean, this is a gentleman that that that's how he makes his living, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And and, and the giving offer up that
2: time, yes, sir. Yeah.
1: The offer that he gave Weston to be a part of that, and um, yeah. you know, and, and watching Sydney. You know his impact that and and again I'm going right back to it right because it's very important to me um, the service to others man and and yeah. I don't think you or Sydney really I don't I, I don't know that you guys realize how impactful you are to just you know yeah. again the two legged freaks I, I I don't know that yeah. you guys really realize it um, I yeah, had the because- oper- oh, I'm sorry go ahead. No, go ahead, man. I was going to say, I had, uh, I was at the Utah show and, uh, saw Sydney and, uh, I went straight schoolgirl, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to even bullshit you. <laughs> I went schoolgirl. I could barely, uh, uh, Sydney Smith, you know what I could just, I yeah. stood there and I was yeah. just like, you know, it's just so inspiring, man. Um. I could hardly get three words out that I probably look like a damn fool trying to talk to him, right? <laughs> because it's so inspirational and, and I'm so awestruck and yeah, and that the service to others, man. I, I don't know. I, I just don't think you guys realize, man, how how much of an impact you're you're truly having. Um, by sharing your story and and just getting everything out there for all of us, man, it's just for me. I greatly appreciate it, and I'm not blowing smoke well, up your ass thanks, or Sydney's ass. No, it, it's no, a man. big deal, dude. A big. No, big I, deal.
2: I I greatly appreciate that because, like I said when we were talking about Coach Torpy earlier and the High Point Lacrosse team, like and everywhere I speak, you know, you wonder. Did they get it? Did just one person get it? You know, and obviously now I've spoken enough and had enough feedback. I'm getting it like, okay, man, I'm moving some people. Cool. But it's nothing I'm doing. These are simply the gifts and the message that was put inside of me. And I'm just sharing it. But it always comes back to this. Like I said, this is normal for me. This is my normal. I don't know what it's like to have been born with I don't know what it's like to not experience physical pain. Like, I don't know that. So this is my normal. And I've always told myself, someone always has it worse. And there's two people in my life I think of all the time. Um, One is 12-year-old Bradley Metz. He's my hero, and he's 12. He was hit with a brain infection that stemmed from, it started as an ear infection, went into his brain, brain abscess, had brain surgery. They closed his skull up. His brain swelled, ended up causing a brain stem injury. He's uh, on a ventilator now, 24 hours a day in a wheelchair. Um, can you, has something that like help him stand up, but he's strapped into it. Um, 12 years old and he's going through this and he's still fighting he still wants to learn again one day to talk right now he uses a gaze pad that like tracks the movement of his pupil and kind of text form um i don't know if you've been through much my instagram but him and his dad are the two i've been taking on bow hunts the last couple seasons um because i'm i yeah i've been through some some hell but what that kid's going through and continues not to give up and continue to fight, he's a hero. Another one, I was blessed enough. My best friend was married in Nashville a few years back. And he said, dude, I got someone in my wedding because I was just getting ready like four months pre-amputation. And uh, he said, I got a guy in my wedding party, Tate. Uh, I just, I got to get you two together. Well, it happened to be Tim Shaw. And he had played seven years in the NFL, and he was with the Titans. And long story short, um, his body started messing with him, doing some things, and his 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 performance suffered. The Titans cut him. Um, and he was their special teams captain, I believe, the year before. Um, don't quote me on that, but I believe he was. But anyway, two months uh, uh, later, at age 30, diagnosed with ALS. Age 30, went from being a pro football player to having it. You know, what we would say having it all, living the life. And with the way my college football career ended and how I went off course for a few years after I lost the game, and then meeting Tim and him being diagnosed with ALS and seeing what that disease has done to him three and a half, four years ago when I met him to now. And seeing how he's kept his faith in the man upstairs and his, just his, his joy. He's one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. He's always telling Joe just, I'm I'm like, where would I get off, dude? Not beasting through anything that I'm asked to walk through. Those dudes would give, I think, now I may be wrong, but they would give anything to say, Hey, Give me a prosthetic leg and give me a CBT left foot that's rapidly degenerating. And you can have what I'll have, but I could still walk and talk and eat with my mouth, not through a feeding tube. You know what I mean? It's all a matter of perspective, dude. I mean, come on.
1: You go, there you go, man. you throwing me, uh, throwing me to silence there, man. Yeah. Throwing me to silence. Jeez. Again, man, inspiring and, and just so powerful, man. I appreciate you know, that. Just, man. just so I appreciate powerful. That. Um, I do. It really, it really makes you look inward. Um, yeah. And, and wonder, yeah. you know, it actually makes you rethink, you know, some of the complaints you've had
2: me yeah. myself.
1: Right. And, and go, yeah, wow, even a, me, yeah, a...
2: even me, like I, I got Danny, man, he hit me over the head hard there like a week or so ago. I, I just, I got a text from Malibu. He said, Hey, me and Bradley, were just sitting here a conversation. And by conversation, he means they got this system where Bradley blinks and somehow it means certain letters and Danny spells out the words and then puts the sentence. So that's how they communicate right now. Um, until he's healthy enough, he's had some setbacks or something where he ain't able to use his gaze pad real well. Um, he said that Bradley, uh, once he's back to using his gaze pad w- well again, wanted to know if maybe he could start coming along with you and doing some motivational talks. And dude, I just, I, I'm not joking, tears just started streaming down my face. And I was like, of course he can, Danny that would be the greatest honor of my life is to share a stage with my 12 year old hero dude, because yeah, yeah. I've been through nothing compared to that young man.
1: (sighs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Um, I don't even know where to go. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing, man. Hopefully your your
2: listeners feel the same way, brother,
1: (laughs) man. I, you know, I, and i have no problem being at a loss right now absolutely no problem no. with it man no, that's uh,
2: that's not a bad thing sometimes know? man wow
1: um so 2019 man out uh, with the hunting um outside of utah what are you, uh, what are you looking to knock down
2: um well like i said we got some uh wild turkey getting ready to start uh here in the next few weeks so uh, of course me and the hoyt are, uh, getting ready for that. Um, bow hunting some wild Eastern turkeys. And of course this summer I'll be keeping, uh, dibs on my white tails. And, uh, I have an absolute giant that some rabbit hunters had found both sides, a matching set of, uh, this deer. He is now my number one hit lister. So I will be, uh, trying to find him as soon as possible early summer and keeping tabs on him of course september i'm going to utah to uh, chase the uh elk and then i'll get back in time um and of course i'll be bow hunting ohio whitetail but most importantly um we're going to be doing the uh, adaptive hunt again with uh bradley and his dad uh, this year. It's already set up a done deal. We've talked about it after last season. Um, so that uh, will be my second, you know, most favorite hunt to look forward to, other than being selfish there a little bit with uh, the trip to Utah. And uh, other than that, man, um, I need to honestly, if I call myself out here a little bit, is uh, start getting into predator control a little bit better. Um, coyotes have just they decimate Ohio, man. There are so many of them. So, uh, start and get into a little more predator control hunting and, um, hopefully keep growing this speaking business to where, um, financially, if the good Lord sees fit to bless me in that way, um, we can start doing some more out of state, you know, really traveling. I'm, I'm always so jealous of these dudes that I follow on IG, you know, like late October, we're in Kansas. Second week of October, we're in Iowa. Then then they're in the Indiana, Kentucky, or in Kentucky when you can hunt velvet white tails. I'm like, dude, just, just keep hammering, keep doing what you're doing, and eventually um, you're going to get there that that would be for me the ultimate fall you know start in kentucky with velvet whitetail kind of do a loop through the midwest back to ohio by that second third week uh, of whitetail season of november and be back in ohio and chase giant whitetails man i'm afraid though what's going to happen is if i do get out there and i'm lucky enough to harvest a uh, elk. That, um, <laughs> I was that, thinking the same big, thing. <laughs> <laughs> that big Midwest White Tails might just uh, take a back seat to um, big elk and even mule deer. Oh, I'd man. love to go out and do an archery, mule deer, elk hunt, archery. I, I would, that would be unreal yeah, unreal that, but that, let's go you. get this let's go get this first bull under my belt before I start tackling too much
1: yeah that uh, that elk yeah. thing is going to it's going to take over man i guarantee you it's oh, going to take over oh i know it over. is dude
2: I, I, that's why i was telling my buddy the other day i was like cuz he's not he'd never really had a good experience turkey hunting and i was like well dude you know how thick our woods are with these big stretches of timber i was like you know you get a big palm within 60 yards facing you and gobbles at you, I was like, dude, it sounds like he's, it has a loudspeaker, you know? And once he gets to like 50, 40 yards, I've actually had it to where you can kind of feel the wind come around your body off their gobble. You know, I was like, now for me, thinking about September, imagine a 12 to 1500 pound bull (laughs) well. coming in to 80, 50, 60 yards screaming. Oh
0: man.
1: I
2: said, I, I can't even I can't even imagine. I really can't even put put it into words what what the adrenaline pump and the uh, challenge it's gonna be to keep that adrenaline down. And just okay, we're here to put that animal down, and then you can let that adrenaline take over.
1: Oh, no, it's going to take over when you hear that bugle, man. Oh, I can't, yeah, dude. Oh, the dude. way I act when
2: I hear that first gobble, <laughs> I, yeah, I now, uh, yeah, if you would see me when I hear that first gobble, like this morning, Chad Spangler on his IG story. Uh, just stepped outside as the sun was coming up and there was some turkeys behind his house on Roost Goblin. And I just, Oh yeah, baby. (laughs) You know what I mean? And this was through watching it on IG. Now, yeah. Tell me a big bull star screaming. I'm probably Those guys going to be like, what in the hell is wrong with this
0: dude? <laughs> Don't look I at the mean, antlers. I'll be
2: sitting there. Yeah. I'll be sitting there crying. Oh, this is This, guy, this is absolutely beautiful. Dude, it's just one bugle. Chill. Oh, man. Yeah. It is.
1: It is cra- I mean, yeah. you want to talk about piercing you. And if, if he's coming <laughs> in at you and it's a cold morning and you see oh. that bugle coming out with that uh, with that yeah. breath. Oh. It's it's Uh, just mind boggling, man.
2: No, I mean it's it's something that I think only God could create, man.
1: You know what I mean? Absolutely.
2: And I've never even seen it other than you know TV or watching you know Cam and Joe on their UA hunts and 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 all the other guys I look up to and love following on their their journeys, man. I I there's no words because I've never experienced it personally. Yeah, it's I can only insane. imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah.
1: Don't look at the antlers.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a, hey, hey, my daddy taught me that real young. I mean, he taught me that real young. You just, you focus on where you're putting that <laughs> arrow it. or that bullet. Yes. Don't even look at the head gear
1: because yeah. I uh, that's that's the only reason I was able to let an arrow fly man because he came in on us and uh, we're assuming that he was about 700 yards plus or minus away mm-hmm. ride right, just based on the sound and uh, he come in and And thank the Lord I didn't see the antlers, dude, because he was about 70 yards away when I seen that breath screaming out of him, and that sound (laughs) pierced my soul. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. After everything, I was like, I never saw the antlers. I could just see, you know, he's lip-balling at me, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, man. Have you started messing with calls? And like you said,
2: thank God you didn't see the Oh, no, I, I,
1: you know, and that was, that was on purpose, man. I knew that if I saw the the big, massive antlers, man, that I would just, you know, it would be worse. Have you started messing with with calls
2: or anything like that no man that's sean's tariff um he's the pro and matter of fact he sent me just a couple videos you know of him toying around on stuff but um i'm focusing on getting myself as mentally and physically sharp as i can and i'm going to let the pro do his thing in that regard now don't get me wrong I would say after this hunt, I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to try to come back as much as I can, and I'll be getting me some reads and some calls and start practicing. But this go-round, I'm going to let the pro yeah, Sean do what it. he does and just, yeah, kind of watch and learn to say say the least with that
1: yeah that's uh that's another rabbit hole man i i'm so hooked on that damn calling, and, and it's just a small aspect of elk hunting right it's it, yeah. it's minor i shouldn't say minor but it's just a, a just a very small piece of it but man it's yeah. so much fun to be able to yeah. you know talk to them and have them talk back and respond with those vocalizations it's just amazing I, man
2: I, I can't imagine i i yeah I just can't imagine. That'll be a blast
1: for you, man. I'm so happy for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I said, truly am blessed by the best. Like those guys, I've tried to like put it in words, you know, when they make a post or if I post about it and I've told them a few times, guys, like no words I could type on this post will convey the level of thankfulness, appreciation, and more importantly love i feel for you guys man because this is this truly has been a dream of mine my whole life is to go west and hunt elk and and now that i'm i'm doing it broken down an imperfect man going out into the perfect hunt man,
1: man. i'm blessed yeah definitely so gear man um what are your, give me two, your top two or three gear must haves when you're in the field outside of your bow?
2: Um, for me, and this obviously is revolving around white tails. Um, I am OCD about scent control. So um, I would say like my scent crusher bag, um, that is. I'm just OCD about it, and I've noticed since I've become very, very disciplined with scent control, um, my success not only in in harvesting animals, but just the majority of great encounters and number of animals I'm seeing has has like went through the roof. And the other one, and um, I'm not not sponsored by them, but um, evercom. By conquest sense, I will not go on a bow hunt without it. I will not. I am a 100% convinced that there's something to it. I've seen it work enough. Matter of fact, in 2016, when I aired this great, Uh, he's not real wide, but he he's real tall, uh, eight point mainframe eight. He's got a kicker off his G two. I put an arrow through him and excuse me. He had like a younger two and a half year old with him, And like I had 40 turkeys, literally like right against my blind. So when I drew, they were on high alert. I got the arrow in the, in my buck. And that second or that two-year-old, he knew something was there. Like, wait a minute, there's something in that blind. He picked it up, man, because it was just how it worked out. I had to kind of lean over. So I knew one of my elbows rubbed the blind. He knew I was there. He walked over and got like three foot away where I'd rubbed some Evercom on this pine, like a, a good bit of it every time I come in. I'd rub it on that pine and I'd shave some off and just throw it out the windows of my blind. And he had his tail up and looking right at that, you know, toward my blind. And he got downwind of that ever calm. And you could just see his whole demeanor change. His tail just slowly dropped, flickered a couple times. He started, you know, going back to eating. And he just, you just seen his his posture kind of go down like okay i'm um, everything's okay i'm safe like there was something he smelled that gave him a sense of security and, dude, he just went right back to feeding in the food plot and quit looking at the blind. He, it was just like his whole demeanor changed. And I've seen it happen. I've had deer bed against, I got a couple, I have a metal blind that me and my dad built before my amputation. It's actually uh, in the uh, the Peterson bow hunting article. If anyone reads, that's the blind I'm talking about. I've had deer come up and bed against the metal of that blind where I've thrown ever calm out the windows, like literally betting against the blind where I could have reached out and smacked it on the ass.
1: <laughs> so what, I th- mean, uh, you got to educate us Western guys, man, what's ever calm?
2: It's just a, it's basically um, from what I understand that they developed it. Um, it's more like a calming scent. It has the scent of the bedding areas, where deer, because when they're in their beds and in their bedding areas, obviously they're relaxed, they're calm, and and that's like their home, right? Where they feel confident, where they feel relaxed, and it it supposedly mimics those smells that they get from real bedding areas, and it, it's it's a calming scent, basically, is all it is, from from my knowledge. And I, it, it, like I said, I'm not sponsored by Evercon or Conquest or nothing, but I will not go to the woods without it having scent crushed my clothes and my field wipes, uh, scent, scent control field wipes.
1: Yeah, because a yeah, lot of what we, are- a lot of what you see is like, uh, we. at least for me, I don't use scent a lot. Um, I do believe in scent control. I use the wind to play me more, you know. Play the wind a bit more. But, you know, we look at uh, estrus year and things of that nature. Um, But it's not really something that I've ever had in my arsenal.
2: Oh, and then that's the same thing here. Like it's this isn't like saying you use this, quit playing the wind. Like everything ultimately revolves around wind and the direction of the wind. You know, I, I don't want people to think that I'm saying, hey, just start controlling your scent and you can hunt whatever wind you want because I don't, I don't believe that's true. There's still, if the wind's not right for that set, I ain't going, I, I'm just, I'm not doing it.
1: Yeah, you, you, know? you can only fool them so much, man.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And those big mature five, six, seven year olds, you blow them out once they'll go find somewhere else to live. You know, they're, they did like daddy always said, they didn't get that big by being stupid.
1: Mm-hmm. So you, you're hunting. You're hunting primarily private, or is that public, or how's that work there?
2: Um, I've been very fortunate to be blessed with um a lot of private farms around here, um, between my dad's and then just a lot of friends um having success in athletics. I kind of met a lot of people in this area and um have just always been very respectful of the hunting privileges. Cause I know how hard it is to find, um, private land to hunt. So I just treat their property better than I would uh, anything of my own and, you know, respect the landowners, their land. And I've been very, very fortunate to have quite a bit of private property that I have kind of either access to or, this is your, like, you're the only one right. who will give access oh,
1: to. That's awesome. Yeah, because that, yeah. I mean, you blow you blow one of them big boys out of there, man, and they jump on some land that uh, you don't have access to and get comfortable yeah. there. You, you're pretty much done.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just better hope the rut, uh, a doe brings them by. Exactly. because They're just like, I'm sure, the elk, man. When that rut comes, they just lose their minds, you know, and that's all about love. And I always tell people this. Can you blame them? If I only had, like, obviously, I, I, I'm i not married, and I don't, I, right now I'm single, or whatever, but who cares? Um if you only had two or three weeks to do your humping, you'd probably be out of your mind, too, bro. Your eyes
1: would roll back, man. you lose all sense. Yeah, we lose man. all sense anyway. Yeah, man. You kidding me? You know, us,
2: we can hump 365. These white male, they only get like two weeks, dude. So, would you be running out in front of traffic chasing a woman? Uh-huh. I bet your ass you would if you Fighting. only had two weeks to get your humping in, right? That's it, man. It drives us crazy,
1: and we have that 365. 65.
2: Yeah. See my one-legged self out in the middle of the road doing some lip curling. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh man. So uh so what's on the horizon, man? Give us the horizon. Give us uh give us that final message, man. That final impactful um, message.
2: I guess for me, um I'm I'm really trying to push with uh doing some public speaking, and here is why. Um, two, I guess, things I'll kind of leave with is developing others or helping them develop an unbreakable will. Um, I believe that is one way we can get through the hardships of life, which there are many, there are many, and they come into many different forms. And the way I believe that we develop that unbreakable will is through physical and mental, ger- mental synergy, okay? Developing your body, regardless, like I said, to the best of your abilities, man. Like, I know there are so many people out there that are harder than me or in better shape, but I'm doing the best with what I have, okay? And pushing through all this pain. Now, developing the mental part of it, that when my body hurts, And my legs are telling me, do not do it today. Take the day off. Don't get that workout in or whatever. I can go to my mental strength that I've built up through podcasts such as Andy's podcast, Ryan Mickler's podcast, Order a Man, things like that. Books I'm reading, Tim Grover, his book, Relentless. Um, Another book I'm reading right now, Why the Best Are Their Best. Developing your mental. That when physically you have nothing left, you can shut down kind of physically and let your mind take over and just keep taking one more step, take one more step, take one more step. Um, And when mentally you're taxed and you just can't find that, that mental edge that you've hardened yourself physically enough through physical exertion, or like me, all these surgeries and then choosing to let the doctor amputate my foot. Physically, I've proven to myself that there is nothing out there that can hurt me. I've come through it already. I'm strong enough to do it physically. Physical and mental synergy to develop that unbreakable will and truly become a force for good and excellence in everything you do. The second thing I would share, and I will not and never take credit for this, but it is something I've shared everywhere I've spoke, from Richard Childress Racing to the college athletic teams, high schools, churches, whatever. And this concept right here on this shirt, this logo stands for arate. That is a concept I've learned through Andy Frisella and Ed Milet. And it simply means excellence, excellence in everything you do. It started in the Greek mythology. And back then, I believe it was with the God Ares. He possessed the most warlike valor. He was the best warrior. So he possessed the most Arate. Well, As the Romans did, they conquered everything and took everything from everyone, and they made it better. Well, they took this concept of arete, and not only would you be a superior physical specimen, but we're going to expand arete into the way we think, that we are superior thinkers, that we can think and be physically superior to our competition and develop excellence. And now today, Andy and Ed, through their business venture the Arate Syndicate, they have taken Arate to simply mean excellence, like in everything, your physical body, your mental, how you think, all the way to how you communicate and and influence other people. You do it with a spirit of excellence. And I'm telling you, if I can take that concept with living in pain seven days a week, 365, and take it and apply it to my life, and it is changing my life, people, it's changing my mind, it's changing me physically, I promise, you able-bodies that have nothing wrong with you other than just some bad mental patterns, if you truly commit to that concept, And become a force for good in everything you do, you will live a life beyond your wildest imaginations, your wildest dreams, and you will become a force for good, not only for yourself, but everyone around you. And that's how we are going to change this country and then go change this world.
1: Beautiful, Amen, Amen. There's those goosebumps yeah. back, man. God damn, man. Good <laughs>
2: man. deal, brother. Whew.
1: I'm gonna skip conservation, bro. I don't. I want to end right there on that note, man. I.
2: Good deal, man.
1: I appreciate your time. Um, I, no, I can man. I was honored.
2: Yeah, honored.
1: I, me as well, man.
2: Honored, and I just want to say, like that. That I'm not the whole RTA, Please, people, it's nothing. It's not me. It is because I've simply latched on to people who are in life where I want to be. That's all that is, man. Those guys get 150% of the credit for that because they've not only changed my life, but they're changing a bunch of lives, man. And and it's just latching on to people who are in life where you want to be and learning from them
1: and it's back to that service to others man that that is so very important exactly. man if we exactly if all of us look at it like that man it it's uh, it can't go anywhere but up
2: exactly that's why i always tell myself if the son of man can come here to serve others and not be served then i think i can do it
0: yes you know? sir
1: Whew, uh, again i appreciate you man i appreciate Brother, you I wish I you had, the best of luck with all of it
2: Yeah, thank you so much. It truly was an honor to uh, come on and and share. And uh, I look forward to hopefully meeting you uh, face-to-face one day and in person and and shaking your hand. And just thank you for the opportunity to get on here and share. And uh, hopefully, just if it's just one person that we can help that says, okay, I get it. -hmm. I, I get it and goes out and changes their life for the better and we did our job yes we did yes we
1: did thank you
2: yes sir you bet
1: you can catch up with tate on instagram at tate hale thank you for listening Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.
2: Hi, this is Weston Jenkins with Disabled Outdoorsman founder of an organization where we choose and let individuals come in the outdoors. We have many people across the nation that refuse to give up, and our brand is going to represent them, and now you can too. You can go to our website at www.disabledoutdoorsman.com, or you can find us on Instagram at disabledoutdoorsmanusa. We want you to be a part of the cause with us, and let's make a difference one day at a time.